You're listening to Watching Friends on the Greenlit Podcast Network. To find more great shows like this one, visit greenlitpodcast.com. Hi there, I'm Mark, and I think it would be fun to be bowed at sea. I'm Ryan, and I may have passed. And we're back with episode eight of Friends, our chronological look through the TV show Friends, uh, as we go through every episode and basically discuss it and put in clips and facts and all sorts of things. So uh, if you're new to this podcast, welcome. If you've been following us on our journey over the last couple of weeks, thanks for sticking with us. Yeah, welcome back. And we are now going to be discussing episode eight the one where nana dies twice and with this we uh, start at chandler's office where we get to meet some of his co-workers which is quite interesting for once it's it's surprising chandler's job as you know vague as it may be transponder he's <laughs> <laughs> like you see him in like one point like a really fancy office later in the season so when i watched this episode back and saw the really crappy lunchroom that they're in i was like ugh. Did Chandler get promoted or something? Like, the lunchroom is horrible. Well, we've just discussed the reunion episode, which is really out of order if you're listening to episode eight now. But in, in our timeline, we discussed it last week. Uh, they had a terrible lunchroom on the, on the <laughs> on set, didn't they? So, but I don't know. Most places I've been to, you've been lucky to get a lunchroom. So. I mean, a job I had once, our lunchroom was a small table and chair next to a disused toilet. So. <laughs> is, is this a famous video game retailer in the UK by chance? It's not. It's the oldest store trading car book shop in the UK. <laughs> right. oh, wait, it sounds similar to my experiences at a famous video game retailer. Yeah, uh, I, I know the store you're at. I don't know. I remember working there myself. I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's interesting... To meet, you know, some of Chandler's co-workers here, and I've been saying this a lot during these early episodes, we get to meet a lot of kind of extra characters who, you know, it shows shows they've got like friends and lives outside of the core group, which is kind of missing in later series. Yeah, you get some sort of like extra cast members that are nice to pop up and I occasionally see and go, oh yeah, it's that person that I've forgotten everything about, but it's nice to see them again. Yeah, exactly. And here we have the co-worker... Um, Trying to set up Chandler uh, on a date. Dehydrated Japanese noodles under fluorescent lights. Does it get better than this? <laughs> Question. You're not dating anybody, are you? Because I met somebody who would be perfect for you. Uh, you see, perfect might be a problem. Had you said codependent or self-destructive. <laughs> Do you want a date Saturday? Yes, please. Okay. <laughs> he is cute. He's funny. He's, He's a he? Well, yeah. Oh, God. Yes. Wow. <laughs> what a turn up for the books. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people have had this where people just assume that you're into someone, that you're definitely not. Um, yeah, I've never had anyone assume I was into the entirely opposite gender before. Um, well, it'll be the same, same gender. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, same gender. Yeah. Yeah. They don't really assume themselves a gender. <laughs> but, uh, I mean... I've worked at a place where nearly every guy that worked there was, in fact, gay. Um, and when I started, I was like, I wonder if they thought I had a quality. Um, apparently, no. Apparently, I wasn't well-groomed enough to, to, <laughs> to be considered. So, so is that, is that the, the mark you have to set? Just be well-groomed, dress nice? I guess so. Maybe I was just so shabby that they were like, definitely doesn't care about his appearance. No. Definitely straight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, this, this is, you know, kind of a shock. But at the same time, 
I've, I've seen this with other people, and certainly with Chanda, where you can look at them and go, well, don't know, like, I guess because he's not a lad and doesn't seem the type to, to be outgoing in that sort of way, you, you just go, oh, well, he doesn't seem to be with many women or after many women or talking about many women. Maybe he is, right? I don't know. I mean, I've never really had an assumption on someone's sexuality just off the bat before. It's just kind of like, no. Hey. It's like I, something you tend to find out for a natural conversation as opposed to just a prejudgment, in my case, at least. Yeah, I, there, there's definitely certain types of people where you can look at them and go, yes, they're definitely gay because they're very flamboyant. Um, but generally, most people, you're not going to know, right? They might just be a bit feminine or a bit, bit manly or whatever, right? Because I know some really dull gays. So <laughs> <laughs> being flamboyant definitely isn't a prerequisite. Uh, but this is all kind of interesting talking about like this side of it to to me because I found out recently that one of the actual creators they're gay, which I never knew before. Uh, and obviously, lately people been saying like you know Friends, you know, is is not woke enough. You know, it is it does some bad things for like gay relationships and stuff like that. And it's actually no, at the time like this is pretty big. Yeah, I mean, it, put it into context of the nineties, like having gay couples on television was still a big deal still seen as controversial whereas now you've got shows like it's a sin and you've had a few queer folk in the early 2000s and yeah. the representation's been all over the place so i understand by looking at it from a modern perspective it may seem off but in the context of the time it was pretty far out there and i, I guess the joke isn't you know trying to be gay it's the misunderstanding yeah like clearly the character that tries to set him up on a date there's no judgment about his sexuality it's purely just her trying to do something nice for someone and what she sees is nice, and there being a bit of a miscommunication. Yeah. Like the homosexuality isn't the punchline. No. It's just the setup. No, you, you could replace it with a woman that he's not attracted to at all, and you would have the same thing, really. Yeah. I mean, the strangest part about it is a workmate trying to set you up on a date. Uh, that's just, I don't know whether it's just modern dating, and it's all kind of online and apps or meeting people, but the idea of a colleague setting me up with someone just, just screams no straight away. Really? I, I feel like that's kind of... Nice in a way, because most relationships come from people you know, like friendship groups or friend of a friend or you work with them or whatever. Uh, so having someone be like, hey, I've got a friend. Would you like to meet them? Like, that's always nice. I think my brain just goes straight to the potential fallout of like, here's, you know, Barry, my colleague who sets me up on a date and it just goes disastrously well. Or I date them a couple of times, it doesn't work out. And then all of a sudden I'm like public enemy number one at work <laughs> because I dumped Barry's friend. You are definitely a jury. <laughs> it's just like, what? This could get complicated. So no, we'll uh, keep work at work and play at home. So we end up after the intro at the apartment where they're all eating together. And Chandra explains, you know, what happened at work? Uh, and then everyone then, you know, explains how they also thought Chandler might be gay when they first met him. Then we have our first, I guess you'd call it plot hole, where Rachel basically says to Chandler that when they first met, she thought he was gay. Um, and Kimberly completely forgets meeting Chandler many, many years earlier. Well, yeah, she, she goes, I don't remember meeting him when I was younger. And it's like, well, it could be a plot hole or it could just be she had no interest in him. I mean, given, so that, they, she remember? given that they kissed, I'd be like, you'd think you'd remember. But then Rachel's Rachel. So yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe she wouldn't. Yeah. Well, I mean, when I first met you, you know, I thought maybe... Possibly, you might be. You did? Yeah, but then, but then you spent Phoebe's entire birthday party talking to my press, so then I figured maybe not. <laughs> huh, did uh, any of the rest of you guys think that when you first met me? I did. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> not me. No, no, me neither. Although, uh, you know, back in college, uh, Susan Salador did. You're kidding. Did you tell her I wasn't? No. No, it's just because uh, I, I kind of wanted to go out with her, too. So, uh, 
I told her actually you were seeing uh, Bernie Spellman. Who <laughs> also liked her. So. I think there's a lot to unpack here. Fair bit, yeah. First off, uh, Rachel does have her nipples out quite a bit, so so, so fair enough for Chandler doing that. <laughs> I didn't notice. Again, I'm just like, you just stare at people's chests the entire episode. I mean, what's quite funny is I spoke to someone recently about our podcast, and they're watching Friends, and they said they didn't really watch Friends. They just remember everyone's nipples being out all the time. <laughs> I was like, so clearly I'm just oblivious to yeah. nipples. I'm not. The odd, I'm the odd one out here. Uh, and then, you know, Ross is, is definitely doing the typical guy thing of like, I like this girl. I don't want her to like you. Yeah, he's just very juvenile. The fact he did it in yeah. college makes me <laughs> laugh. You think he'd be a bit more mature. Uh, but yeah, I mean, as far as uh, Ross is concerned, it's a pretty good play, to be fair. Eliminate both the competition in one fell swoop. Yeah, I did like and I And I liked how the guys were like, no, didn't think you were gay at all. But the, all the women were like, yeah, we kind of thought you might be. I like Joey's reaction to Ross's story because he's like, yes, he's like, it's hilarious. Yeah. Until Chandler shoots him on lock off camera and he's like, ooh, it's just something like that. It's not funny. Uh, yeah, I, I did like that. And I guess it's kind of interesting how I, this is a bit more about Chandler's character, really, where it's shown that, yeah, he is probably the most feminine of all the guys. So maybe that is why, you know, the, the girls, when they first meet him, you know, because he's probably gentle and probably nice. And apart from standing at your breasts, you know, he's, you know, you, you don't really know too much about him. Whereas, you know, Ross, I don't know, would he, would he have been that interesting? Because he was married quite young. So maybe he just would have been like, here's my ring, I'm married. True. And, and Joey's obviously into women. Yeah. I mean, it's an odd one because I was trying to work out what is Chandler's concern about being perceived as gay and where does that come from? And Chandler's a very kind of neurotic person in general. Yeah. And I don't think it's like a homophobic thing, which I think a lot of the, the woke generation are kind of mistaken it for. Yeah. I think it's just him being like, Wait, why am I being judged this way by people who don't know me? What's going on? And he's just getting in his own head about it. And is this why women don't find me attractive? Because they're just like, oh, he's off the table. Yeah. Like, oh, this, this is why I'm unsuccessful. And the reason I'm unsuccessful is because they think I'm gay. Yeah. How can I, you know, give them the correct impression? And he wants to find out a solution, basically. Yeah. So I, th- I think that's fair. Uh, we then have uh, the phone ringing. And it's Paolo calling from Rome. Uh, and then Monica's dad calls in and uh, tells them that Nana is at the hospital. Uh, so then we arrive at the hospital. And going um, back a moment just to Paolo calling. I hate Paolo. <laughs> I, like, I don't remember. It's like, cause I, can say, I see Ella quite a lot of myself in Russ, who's like the dorky, not very good with women, science nerd. So when Paolo calls, I'm kind of like Russ. I'm like, ugh. It's like, I could call from Rome. Just have to go to Rome. Yeah. I'm, I'm just sat there like, yeah, Paolo, you're stupid. And like really sympathising with Ross. I think it's just his face has worked. It's very smug. Yeah. So even though he's on the phone, you're like, I can imagine what he's looking like and how he's acting. Yeah, he's like, you do the sex. And it's like, shut up, Paolo. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I'm just totally there with Ross. I was like, yes. Uh, so yeah, we end up at the hospital and uh, Monica's mum is, is judging her hair. Which, you know, is typical Judy. Like yeah. she, She's really on this like, in the first series of... You know, always judging Monica. I mean, it's very much straight out of the uh, Jewish mother's playbook, to be fair. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, at some point. Uh, and then they talk about all the things that uh, about Nana and, like, what they loved about her. And then Nana passes. And Monica and Ross go to see her and say their goodbye, which I think is a little bit creepy. I don't know. Like, I don't know how I would deal with this because you're looking at someone who's dead in the bed. Uh, I mean, I've been present when two of my family members have passed away. Mm. Um, one of the times it was my granddad. Um, 
but I'll tell you more about that story in a second because <laughs> it's somehow it's somewhat relevant. Like for for me, I don't like hospitals to begin with. I just think they're they're germ ridden. Like I just go in and just go, oh, it's just people who are ill here. I do not want to be here. Uh, they are very clinical and cold. Yeah. So so it, it's it's that sort of thing as well. Uh, but it's it's it is sweet that they you know they go and say goodbye, and you know when Ross moves into to give her a kiss on the forehead, she is not quite past. She looks so small. I know. Well, at least she's with Pop Pop and Aunt Phyllis now. Goodbye, Nana. Bye, Nana. You know how uh, the nurse said that, that Nana had, had passed? Well, she's not quite. What? She's not past. She's present. She's back. I really think David Swimmer has, has got Ross from the very beginning. Yeah, it's just, he's just solid all the way through. But uh, touching back on my, uh, I guess, my relatable story to Ross here, is my granddad wasn't, was, was passing away, essentially, and there's myself and some family members in the room. I was the only male member of family in the room, other than my granddad. Um, and we're all sat around, and we assume my granddad's passed away, basically. And we're like, oh, okay, fair enough. And being British and, you know, stiff up a lip and let's make, not make a fuss and let someone else have the room in this hospice ruin. Uh, I Ryan, you know, take off granddad's necklace and that sort of thing. So I'm like, oh, okay, we'll do. So I get up, and I'm obviously I'm sad and upset, but I lean over to under the clasp of my granddad's necklace, at which point he basically groans and I fly across the room in like an exact bit <laughs> of terror because everyone's sad it's been like two minutes of uh, you know and I absolutely crapped myself flew across the room um, and then started laughing I'm convinced to this day my granddad did it on purpose um, <laughs> <laughs> I guess just like that's the kind of thing you'd do um, he did eventually pass away a couple of minutes later and they were like get the necklace now and I'm like Mm, a bit hesitant this time. Yeah, can um, someone else do it? Yeah, but when I watched this back, episode back, that's what it reminded me of straight away. And then I mentioned it to my family, we all had a good laugh at, you know, the shock on my face as I threw <laughs> across the room. <laughs> but yeah, it was quite funny. Well, you know, and then you go, now he's passed. Yeah, no, so, I mean, it's quite a nice memory to have at quite a sad time as well. It's quite comforting. Yeah, especially if it, if it relates to his personality, like, yep, yep classic. Yeah. Until the end, right? Yeah, I mean, he wasn't... Uh, a delicate man. In fact, we can relate this back to my granddad entirely. So, my granddad thought that I had a quality. <laughs> he thought that I was gay. And I was probably about 15 years old. And I'm sat in the living room and he's chained to my nan in the kitchen. And he just walked into the living room and went, You ain't a puff, are you? Like, stretched. I was just like, If I was, I was definitely not coming out at that point. And I was like, No, granddad, I like girls. And he was like, Oh, okay. You come in to watch the wrestling, which I find really confusing. Like, ask if I fancy men and then ask if I want to watch all the men grabbing each other. <laughs> yeah. But. It was kind of what my granddad was like. So it, it reminds me of like the Simpsons episode where Homer thinks Bart is gay and takes him to like the steel mill. And <laughs> stuff like that. Great episode. Uh, we then end up at Central Park and Chandler is still obsessed about being seen as gay. Uh, and then Monica and Ross are, are telling the gang uh, about Nana. Now see, I don't believe any of that. I think when you're dead, you're dead. You're gone. You're worm food. So Chandler looks gay, huh? <laughs> I mean, he was digging himself a hole there. He had to, he had to pretty, find a way out of it. Pretty much. Uh, 
We then learn about Phoebe's mum dying in the past, which I think is the first time this is brought up. Yeah, and it's brought up in quite a nice way, given that the amount of times in later episodes you'll see Phoebe play on the fact that her mum died yeah. <laughs> to try and get what she wants. It was almost odd seeing Phoebe do it in a genuine way. I guess so, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah she's, she's very weird about it, because on the one hand, like how her mum killed herself, or her stepmum, yeah. I guess, uh, is quite tragic. And yeah. then, and then to just use it as like, oh, you know, to get the last cupcake. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose. So it's when you've gone through trauma and you've processed it. You know, it's kind of you're okay with it, but everyone else around you isn't. I'd probably, you know, if there was only one bit of garlic bread left, I might be like, well, <laughs> this happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the episode now changes pace as it, it swaps back and forth quite a bit. So we're going to be jumping around quite a lot now. We end up at Nana's house and they're trying to find some nice clothes for funerals. It's an open casket. That's weird to me. Open caskets freak me out. Yep. I've, I saw them and they're alive. I don't want to see them dead. Especially when they have to do the makeup. And obviously, as someone's died, like they don't look the same. So the makeup is really over the top, generally. Yeah, by the time they're embalmed and all that kind of stuff, yeah. it, it's a lot of work to get done just to put them in a hole. Now, I can't remember where I saw it on TV, but there was a, a program where where people have open caskets, but they do funny things. So they'll have them in, like, in scenes. And so, like, you'll see them all dressed up in a scene. So, you know, it'd be them, like, fishing, but they're actually there, you know, sitting down with a rod and oh, stuff yeah. like that. It's like, <laughs> actually, I much prefer that. <laughs> much nicer. It's, like, morbid, but at least entertainingly so. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, while they're going through that, we end up back at the apartment and Jack talks to Monica about being buried at sea. When my time comes... Dad! Listen to me. When my time comes, I want to be buried at sea. You what? I want to be buried at sea. It looks like fun. Define fun. Come on, you'll make a day of it. You'll get a boat, pack a lunch. And then we throw your body in the water. Gee, that does sound fun. Everyone thinks they know me. Everyone says, Jack Geller, so predictable. Maybe after I'm gone, they'll say, buried at sea. Huh. <laughs> it's, it's true, right? I mean, I that, that's his legacy he wants to be remembered. Not like Jack Geller, great father, Jack Geller, all the things he's doing in his life, just Jack Geller. Huh. No, because I, I can imagine that they would dress him up in a proper, like, captain's uniform with the hat and everything. And, you know, have to do it properly. A bit, almost like a Star Trek sort of thing. <laughs> that's how I imagine he want, wants it. I just like that it's his funeral and he's concerned about everyone else having a nice time. Like, it's really sweet. Like, rather than being bored and morose, they'll be on a boat with, you know, with some sandwiches and it's just... Well, I guess that's the thing, right? It's with funerals, like, for, for, I guess, the the West, they're seen as a sad time. You know, you're meant to be miserable and sad. And then other cultures, they're a celebration. And I kind of like that aspect more. Like, you go there to celebrate their life and, and their achievements and everything, rather than being sad they're gone. I guess. I mean, I once said that after I'm when I'm gone, and once I'm stripped for parts, um, <laughs> essentially stuff me and leave me on a bus. I just like the idea. <laughs> just sitting <laughs> like, there. Just some shades on with some like, headphones on, just going around on this bus until the driver's like, you got to get off, mate. you got to get off, mate. And then eventually he comes to check and there's a body. You, you would be the person in the paper that's like, body found after four days <laughs> sitting <laughs> at the back of the bus. <laughs> I just think it'd be really funny. The poor bus driver that has to fire me probably, you know, would need therapy afterwards, but... Because we did discuss before about the, there was there was someone who had a disease, and they had to plan their own funeral, and it was on TV, 
and they was in a, a Heinz ketchup casket, wasn't they? I don't remember. I, I remember discussing this, this recently. I'm sure it was with you. Maybe it wasn't. My memory's off. Uh, but yeah, there, there was a, a TV documentary about, about some guy who had a, a terrible disease and he knew when his time was coming. He was like, I want it to be funny, so I'm going to have like the Heinz ketchup on my casket. And people be like, why is that? It's like, because it's funny. Like, I want people to laugh at my funeral. Fair. Uh, which I quite liked the idea of. We then end up at Chandler's office and he bumps into the co-worker from the start of the episode. And she also explains uh, he has a quality. Yeah, well, he kind of feels like there's a quality. And she's like, yes, yeah. yes, that's, that's exactly how I want to phrase the thing I can't work out how to phrase. Yeah, I, I like that phrase, inequality. Quality. Yeah, I guess. You, it's weird. You can't really explain what it means, but somehow when you hear it, you know what it means. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, Chandler is, is upset that, you know, she tried to set him up with Lowell. Uh, you know, he'd prefer Brian from payroll. This is what I like about Chandler's neuroses is like being seen as gay wasn't a giant issue, but the caliber of man he could <laughs> yes. have got is a much bigger deal than anything else. Yes. Hey, gorgeous. Hey. Look, I'm sorry about yesterday. Oh, I uh... no, no, don't don't worry about it. Believe me. Apparently, other people have made the same mistakes. <laughs> oh. Okay. Phew. <laughs> So, uh, what do you think it is about? I don't know, but you just have a, a quality. quality. right, great. <laughs> you know, it's a shame because you and Lowell would have made a great couple. Lowell? Financial services Lowell? That's who you saw me with? What? He's cute. Oh, yeah. There's no Brian in payroll. <laughs> is Brian... No, I don't know. Point is that if you were going to set me up with someone, I'd like to think you would set me up with somebody like him. Well, I think Brian's a little out of your league. This is true, though. Like, when someone sets you up or you're like, hey, I really like them, and they're like, no, never going to happen. It's like, why not? Like, I've got all the chance in the world, right? Yeah, my logic would be, how do you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, you thought I was gay. Like, surely, you know, if you thought I was gay... I can have anyone I want, yeah, right? Get a Brian. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but obviously at this point, we haven't seen Lowe or Brian. No. So, you know, it's, it's when they do reveal themselves, I think that's interesting. It's always one of those odd things where there's casting in TV and stuff and you're like, hmm, like who wants to get past as, cast as the less attractive version? And they're yeah. always attractive. Yeah, it's TV, so they always are. Although, having said that, in Home Alone, um, there's Buzz's girlfriend, who's meant to be a bit unattractive, and the producers didn't want to cast an actual like girl as it because they thought it'd be mean. Like she's known as Buzzy's ugly girlfriend. Like, yeah, that's not a nice thing to make someone audition for. So they actually got one of the producers' sons and put him in a wig. <laughs> I, I feel like that's worse. <laughs> Which I was just like, like son, come here. We're going to make you an ugly woman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we eventually do get to see Lowell. To be fair. And then we skip back to Ross, uh, who's trying to find the clothes still for Nana, when he finds a box filled with sweet and lows that remind him of her, which is nice. It is. This part of the episode really annoys me, though. Why is that? Because, obviously, Ross is in the closet, and he's, unlike Chandler, and he's <laughs> behind, like, a big chest of drawers, and he pulls them down on top of his head, and it's supposed to look like they fell out of a box onto his head. Yep. And then... Loads more fall, and they keep falling and keep falling. And clearly someone's just stood above him, chucking them down. Having the time of their life. And it comes down to, like, fits and starts. And it's just so 
unrealistic. He just takes me at the episode every single time. Yeah. And I'm just like, couldn't you have got a large bucket and poured them all over in a steady rate? Rather than just being like, here's 10, here's 50, have some more. And it just annoys me the way it was shot. Because I guess we should explain that he's in a in a closet, but they've put some drawers in front of the doorway for some reason. I guess we got a nice comical moment beforehand where Ross has to climb over yeah. it. Yeah. I'm not sure how they got the closet in there or the drawers in the closet, but And why you'd put them by the door rather than the back wall or yeah, it's it's a it's a weird area. I mean, Nana was a bit weird. Yep. Retrograde Amnesia is a comprehensive podcast about classic Japanese RPGs. Each season we cover a single game, chapter by chapter, beat by beat. Season one covers Xenogears. Season 2 covers Chrono Cross. Each episode, we play a section of the game and unpack the story, mechanics, music, and themes. Also, our post-production AI companion, the FakeNet, fills us in on the finer details we may have missed. Initializing FakeNet. Yes, they need me for everything. Find Retrograde Amnesia at greenlitpodcasts.com. Hello, everyone. We're superhero stuff you should know. And if you think you know about superheroes and comic books think again we got romance we got action romance we got comedy we got everything you need man come on down to superhero stuff you should know for all your superhero needs uh, ro- I, I don't know about this romance what part are you talking about we've got all kinds of sketches and then deep dives on top of that come on down to superhero stuff you should know <laughs> all right so come on down to su- wait why did i say come on down to superhero stuff you should know part of the greenlit podcast network Uh, we then go to the apartment where they're getting ready for the funeral. And at the funeral, they talk about the, the ceremony. Uh, and Judy has to criticize how Monica looks again. Of course. Uh, and then Joey, you know, he's got a portable TV under his jacket playing a football game, which, you know, you look at it. And I thought he had a, a radio because it's, it's small, but still chunky. I didn't realize it was portable TV he had. It's... It's weird, because compared to today's standard of technology, it's absolutely huge. But compared to what I remember of not his technology, it seems really small for a TV. I'm like, oh my god, that's so cool. Yeah. I assume it's a black and white one. Uh, But let's hear what he's actually listening to. What? Nothing. Nothing. Just your overcoat sounds remarkably like Brent Musburger. Check it out. Giants, Cowboys. You're watching a football game at a funeral? Oh, it's the pregame. I'm going to watch it at the reception. <laughs> you are a frightening, frightening man. I mean, I don't see anything wrong with it. No, no, no. <laughs> Just like, if one of you like, die in the playoffs and you expect me not to watch hockey at your funeral, you're going to be sorely <laughs> disappointed. Well, I always remember at school, anyone who had long hair would always have, you know, not even MP3 play. It would have been like a radio or cassette at the time. Like going up into one ear and no, none of the teachers knew. And I was always like, damn, like I can't get away with that with, with shorter hair. <laughs> I love that you were jealous of this. Yeah. You just sat there like, Wendy's got radio on again. <laughs> well, I'm looking at you right now going, you would have been the guy who had like radio in. No one would know. <laughs> I had short hair in school, so I'd have been just like you sat there frustrated that I couldn't listen to BRMB. But you know, funerals kind of are boring and... I'm going to say it's about weddings too. Weddings can be very boring as well. Yeah, weddings are definitely worse than funerals. Yeah. Because you're supposed to be happy and excited at a wedding. You're expected to be sad at a funeral. Yeah. Where at weddings, you have the ceremony part where you're like, okay, fair enough, it's cute. And then you have that annoying bit in between where the wedding's finished and the reception hasn't started. You still have to maintain this like veneer of happiness, even yeah. though you were just thinking, can we get to the beer and the food? <laughs> yeah. I hate it. Oh, I hate it. 
Well, yeah, at, le- at least the funeral is like it's over fairly quickly, and then it's time for food and you know talking about their their lives and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, we then have Ross falling into the open grave, which apparently is a thing. Like, freaks him out a bit, and everyone's like, "Oh my god, look, he fell in the." I didn't care, but I'm in a hole. Six foot is quite a, a way to fall as well. We've with no knowledge, so he's gonna have hurt himself. I don't know. Like, I guess that Ross is like, oh, you know, only seeing one of my acting at one of my fears, and I'm like, you're just in a hole. Like, it may be a hole in a graveyard, but it's still just a hole. Yeah. But I don't really find it morbid or grim. I'm like, you're in a hole, dude, just climb out. Yeah. Like, I just don't, I know it's supposed to be, ooh, but to me, it just was ineffectual. I'm like, nah, you're in a hole, get out of it. Uh, we then have Chandler meeting a, a woman at the buffet, and then Ross comes back high on pills because, you know, he did hurt himself falling yeah. in. Uh, this, this is quite nice. So I, I, like, I like it when Chandler is trying to, to prove people wrong. Because he, go, he really goes for it, and he makes a mess of it. So, it you know, he's trying to chat up the woman. And then Ross comes along, and in front of a, a bunch of women says, you know, it's okay, Chandler, for you to be gay. <laughs> if you want to be gay, you be gay. He's blocking him again. He He's a good friend <laughs> doing that. Yeah, what are you going to do? We've all, we've all got friends that get in the way more than, uh, more than help. Yep. Uh, Ross then tells Rachel uh, he loves her the most, and she says the same back, which is really sweet. But, you know, she's completely missing Ross's actual meaning here. She is, yes. Hi, I'm Andrea. I'm Dorothy's daughter. Hi, I'm Chandler, and I have no idea who Dorothy is. <laughs> hey, look who's up. Hey. How do you feel? <gasps> I feel great. I feel great. I feel great. <laughs> wow, those pills really worked, huh? Yeah, not the first two, but the second two. I love you guys. You guys are the greatest. I love my sister. I love Phoebe. All right. Hey, Chandler. Hey, I love you, man. And listen, man, if you want to be gay, be gay. Doesn't matter to me. Mm. You were right. <laughs> Rachel. Rachel, Rachel. Oh, I love you the most. That you were right must be the most, like, gut-wrenching thing. Don't go as another one. Because... How can you come back from them? But like, no, I'm not gay. Like, you want me to prove it? They're like, what? Like, it's just something supposed to just take it on blind faith and go, it just seems complicated. I'm like, no. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I really feel for Chandler here because he tries hard with women and gets knocked back for no real reason. Yeah, I guess. I mean, like, there's, there's nothing wrong with him. I mean, I guess it's comedic effect. I guess. Yes, <laughs> like, yes. He needs yes, to be knocked back. But no, as, as a person, like, Chandler's. Funny, charming. He's you know he's good looking, in you know well I guess like he's not Joby good looking, but he's not a munter. No, like, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. my favorite bit about the whole scene is just just high Ross. I absolutely love it. Like being sober when people around you are drunk and high is normally infuriating because they're high or drunk and they just irritate you. Yeah, I could happily spend an entire day with high Ross. <laughs> he's just he, David Schwimmer plays it so well. And just entertained, entertained. I could watch it all day, just the cadence of his voice, the way he's talking, everything about it just has me in bits the entire time. You have to wonder what these pills are, though, and where Judy got them from. 
Who knows, but wherever you got him, you should <laughs> <hook> us up. <laughs> Maybe this is the start of the Ross downfall, and uh, we might talk about that at some point. Some some fan theories about Ross. Yes, uh, and you know how it's it might all be a dream after a certain point and maybe this is the start of it fan theory is almost a dirty word nowadays like there is so many insane like back in the day with friends a fan theory was like an organic thing that seemed to happen whereas nowadays fan theories just seem to be butthurt fans trying to fix a canon they no longer enjoy or people entirely misunderstanding the ending of things or just making stuff up just because they saw something and just going well, let's let's run with this because it's fun. Yeah, like shipping. Shipping's always an odd thing to me, where it's just like, oh, we want like Bucky and Cap to be a couple, and it's like, do you not understand their relationship <laughs> at all? It's just, just <laughs> what. But what well, are you gonna do? Let's go back to friends. Yeah. Uh, Joey gets caught listening to the game by Jack, who surprisingly is fine with that and wants to listen in too, which I think is nice. I don't think it's surprising at all. I think it's like it's like perfect Jack. Just like yes. Well, I guess it's not his mum, is it? It's it's Judy's mum, right? Yeah, either way, I feel like you're awake, they're boring. There's people you don't see that often. There's always an awkward part at awake where you're like, there's those family, friends, slash distant relatives that I don't really talk to and it's awkward and uncomfortable. So yeah. you're probably trying to find something else to distract you from the event. I did like how, you know, it cuts to the, then a bunch of guys all watching and listening in huddle in the corner. It's like, you're really obvious what you guys are doing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you might as well just go into a different room at this point. And oh. Well, it's great when, like, obviously something happens in the game. I assume the Giants start to lose. Uh, because Jack's like, great, now I'm depressed. <laughs> <laughs> Being a bit of a sports nerd myself sometimes, like, I can completely relate to that feeling of, oh, your team's lost, your heart has sunk and you're upset. But it's just, and wrong place, wrong time. <laughs> no, yeah. We then see Ross uh, passed out on top of Rachel's lap this time. So he's in, he's in his happy place, I guess. <laughs> he's getting closer to it, at least. <laughs> he is. <laughs> Uh, Judy then talks to, to Monica uh, about how Nana was critical about her. And I, I quite like this kind of openness of the character to see, oh, this is where it's kind of potentially come from. Well, I like when Monica asks her, you know, if you had the chance to tell her she was critical of you, would you take it? And Judy's like, no. No, no. <laughs> but but you fit, I think on her, like, on her face, you could see she understood what the question actually was. Yeah, she, she definitely reads the situation, understands what Monica's point is. Do you know what it's like to grow up with someone who is critical of every single thing you say? I can imagine. I'm telling you, it's a wonder your mother turned out to be the positive, life-affirming person she is. That is a wonder. <laughs> so, tell me something, Mom. If you had to do it all over again, I mean, if she was here right now, would you tell her? Tell her what? How she drove me crazy, picking on every little detail, like your hair, for example. I'm not sure I know what you're getting at. Saying all this, though, Judy clearly is blind to how critical she actually is. And think she's just been perfectly loving. Yeah, I think in Judy's mind, she's trying to help Monica and wants the best for Monica. So if she tells things, you know, oh, if you do this, you'll have a better time or you'll get a better look with men or whatever. She thinks she's being helpful and doesn't necessarily see it as critical. She seems it as more, you know, like positive feedback type thing. Whereas you have to wonder with Nana, was she the same or was she, you know, worse? Because I feel like every family has like... The nice nan and maybe the less nice nan, should we put it that way? You're like, are we going to nice nan's house or 
Not nice men's house. No, no, every, every family's got a person who, who has the most positive intent in the world, but makes statements that are completely read the wrong way. Yeah. I was at a relative's funeral once, and some relatives we don't see that often popped in, and they saw me, and then like, what were we, like 10, 15 minutes later, I'm like, we didn't recognize you when we came in. And I'm like, oh, okay. I'm thinking, because I've got a beard now. And they're like, there's more of you than last time we saw you. <laughs> I was just like, we just buried my relief and you're calling me fat. But I know, I know how they meant it and they weren't wrong. There's a lot more of me yeah. than there was, but I'm like, wow, all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. maybe pick and choose when you tell someone they're fat. Yeah, so my family has a duty for sure. <laughs> yeah. uh, we then go back to the Central Perk uh, after all this, where the guys are looking over some old photos. Hey, who's this little naked guy? Uh, that little naked guy would be me. Oh, oh look at the little thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, fine. That is my penis. <laughs> Can we be grown-ups now? Who are those people? Got me. Oh, that's Nana right there in the middle. Wow. Yeah, let's see. Me and the gang at Java Joe's. Wow, Monica, you look just like your grandmother. How old was she there? 1939. Yeah, uh, 24, 25. Yeah. Huh. It's like a fun gang. Ooh, look, 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 look. I got Monica naked. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that would be me again. <laughs> I'm uh, just trying something. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> just trying something. It always reminds me of Sons of the Lambs. Like, just, just imagine Russ being like, he puts the lotion on his skin and Russ gets the hose again. It's like, oh my God, what, what are you trying, Russ? We, all, we can all guess, but... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah they're, they're horribly cruel to him. Going, oh, look how small it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, poor Russ. But it, it's, it's a sign of the times, like, you couldn't now take pictures of your, your children naked. Uh, yeah. I guess you probably could. I don't know if you'd, you'd sit around in public necessarily and, you know, look at them. No, but we've all got, you know, family photos when we were young that, you know, you've done something silly, you're on the toilet or whatever, right? That your family always bring out, especially if you uh, bring a girl home, you know, first thing, that, oh, quick, let's go to the attic and bring down the old photos. Yeah, I almost feel sorry for, like, young, the modern generation because one thing I like about this scene is how old school it is. Like, there are physical photos that they're getting sitting around and passing around and enjoying, whereas... Everything's digital now, and most people don't bother printing out their photos. No. So you know, soon it'll be oh, get the iPad and we'll you know we'll swipe through the embarrassing photos. But it could be worse. It could be like here's the video or here's the tweet. True, like, I guess. But it's just just you know it's just there's something like nostalgically romantic about the hand you know the actual printed photo yeah. the gang sharing them through. Um, they make a a nice little nerd trivia reference for us, I guess, uh, where they call the coffee shop her nana was at Java Joe's. And that's one of the uh, working or suggested titles for Central Park. Okay. So we get a nice little you know, tip of the hat there. That's nice. That's pretty cool. We then go back to Chandler at his job as he bumps into Lowell. I don't know what Shelley told you about me, but uh, I'm not. I know. That's what I told her. Really? Yeah. So you can tell? <laughs> pretty much. Most of the time, we have a kind of radar. <laughs> so you don't think I have a, a quality? Speaking for my people, I'd have to say no. <laughs> By the way, your friend Brian from payroll, 
He is. He is? Yep, and way out of your league. <laughs> out of my league. I could get a Brian. If I wanted to get a Brian, I could get a Brian. Hey, Brian. Now, Lowell is very 90s looking with the glasses. He is. He's, yeah, he's very much very dated. Yep. Uh, I wonder if this is one of the first instances of gaydar being kind of mentioned. Well, it's not. It's not mentioned as a phrase. Like, no. I was, I was thinking, like, is, was gaydar a phrase at this point, or is it something that was coined later on? Like, where does the phrase come from? But certainly in the late 90s, like that phrase became quite big for a little while. Yeah. But you know, it's. I guess it's kind of interesting in that. You know, they just assume, oh, he's either straight or gay, you know, when he could be, China could be anything, right? Yeah, I guess. You know, there, there's no, there's no, nothing saying like, you know, he has to, just like men, he could be like, hey, I like women 90% of the time and maybe O'Brien is, is, is all he needs, right? Yeah, it's just that I guess there's an odd thing to look at in like modern times. You don't really make assumptions about people's sexuality anymore. You just kind of go, well, I'll find out. Like we tell them you get to yeah. know people, for the most part, tend to be quite forthcoming about their, you know, sexual expression. But I guess back in the nineties, it was like, is he? Isn't he? Like maybe he's still in the closet, but just a weird thing, especially for colleagues to, to yes. bring out. Like I don't get the sense that they're particularly very close, especially you know Lowell and Chandler. No, kind of... they they. It sounds like they kind of meet maybe in the lunchroom, and they might have passing interaction, but they're they're not working day to day next to each other. Yeah, like they had quarterly meeting, but I'd yeah. have to rock Lowell or whatever, but not like every day. Still, and then of course at the end of that clip, Brian walks in <laughs> yeah. while Chandler's, you know, affirming he could get a Brian. You know what? He probably could get a Brian. Brian's not all that stunning. No, and who who knows? Brian might be into Chandler's. Like it, it goes both ways, right? Yeah, I mean, you never know. You know, there's oh, what's the old quote from some comic book I read about? There's a reason that ice cream parlors sell more than chocolate and vanilla because every now and again, someone does bought a pecan. <laughs> it's like you know, what I mean, you don't know what people like. There's no, no accounting for taste. No. And you always see these couples where one's very attractive and one's ugly. It's like, do you want to be the ugly one or the attractive one in the relationship? Yeah, it's going back to the episode of Joey's Play where yeah. he's like, you always see these really hot women with these really nothing guys. Yeah. Maybe Brian likes nothing guys. Yeah. Not that I actually probably think that Chandler's better looking than Brian, but you know. But you know, it, it, there's, there's more to it than just looks, isn't there? There's personality and humour and interest and whatever. Yeah, for my dating life's sake, thankfully, there's more to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, I feel sorry with Chandler. I also, I'm also totally with Chandler where don't tell me I couldn't get a Brian. You could tell me that I couldn't pull someone and I'd immediately want to prove you wrong. Not because <laughs> yeah. I particularly wanted that person. I'd be like, how dare you assume I couldn't get yeah. insert name. I'd, you know, I'd then try and pursue them. But you have to wonder how this changes Chandler. Like, what? Because he doesn't do anything, you know, he's, he's not overly feminine. He's not doing stuff where you're like, oh, clearly he's gay, flamboyant, whatever. But he's still going to be, in his mind, changing what he does. I mean, there's nothing kind of outwardly obvious that Chandler changes at all, really. This kind of the quality thing kind of gets left behind and we don't really discuss Chandler being potentially gay again, really. I feel like we do in future episodes. There's, there's a couple of mentions of it. Yeah, but it doesn't, I don't feel like the way that Matthew Perry played Chandler no, changed. No, no. Like, he's very much, if you watch Chandler episode 1, 10, and then 56, they're all very much... He's still Chandler. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah he, he doesn't try to match Joey up or, you know, try to go after the women like Joey does. He he knows his place. Yeah. I mean, and, and that is to cook breakfast for, for the women that Joey <laughs> doesn't want. Yeah. I mean, it's one of, like, fundamentally, you shouldn't really, you know, get a bit like, you know, the final thought moment here, I guess. But you shouldn't really be going changing yourself to try and appease other people's opinions anyway. Because... No, you should be doing what makes you happy. Exactly. And if people, if you've got a quality, you've got a quality. Like, you're going to find someone eventually that likes it. 
That's a very uh, Jerry Springer, <laughs> Springer moment. <laughs> my final thoughts. <laughs> but no, it's, it's it's very true. That's for sure. I mean, no one's going to be happy, you know, not being themselves. So no. I say, you know, if you've got quality, you own that quality and do what you want to do. As long as it's acceptable, I guess. <laughs> like I'm, I'm not like saying do whatever the hell you want to, regardless of common sense or law. Well, but that's that's what know. I'm thinking. From, from the, you know what people are like on the internet, right? They're like, yes, I can do this. <laughs> Just like watching friends said it's okay. Yes, I could, I could go and, uh, you know, take down the government. <laughs> that's, that's what popped into my mind it's like yes I can do it like in the far future there's going to be a nursery rhyme and some kind of like watching friends Guy Fawkes night <laughs> it's yeah. like burn Mark and Ryan on yes. the <laughs> uh, yeah this is a, an interesting episode it's it's very much I guess about Chandler and everyone else is just kind of there no it's an odd episode because I like it but it, it isn't a standout no um, like all of Chandler's moments are definitely the better moments of the episode and the Nana stuff just kind of like so it's not that I really take the event seriously like Nana passes but at no point do we really seem to focus or care that Nana's gone no but I guess for like the the friends they don't know her for Monica and um, Ross maybe they didn't really care too much about Nana like we we don't know that relationship yeah I mean well the the rest of the guys going is kind of odd to me um potentially yeah because what I wouldn't like if one of my brothers passed I probably wouldn't invite you guys no, like, no. Because my family be like, "Why are they here?" And I'd be like, "I don't know. I guess I want some interesting conversation." Because we like, hang out at the coffee shop yeah. all day. They have to come. <laughs> it's weird to go. Yeah. But yeah, because from the way the gang is sat around at the end, looking at the photos, you don't get the sense that they knew her at all. No, but that—that's the playback of them going like, "Oh, you know, this is Nana and her group of friends. We look just like them," and I think that's quite nice. Yeah, it's you know little generational thing yeah like, with the kind of spin-off series where we saw nana at java joe's yeah no we wouldn't have watched that no, no, no. <laughs> they could have done it so yeah i think that's it for for this episode i guess where can we find you ryan if you want to hear more of your your final thoughts that's <laughs> <laughs> where you can find me on this podcast on the critical geeks podcast and on gamehype.co.uk and you can find me at fuzzballs.co where you can buy lots of cute merchandise that i draw and make stuff of so Check that out because I can't be bothered to explain that for the, the eighth time now. But I, and I've got what another hundred and ninety two to go, something like that. I feel like we could just pre-record an outro and then just hit play. We we, we could do, but you know things change. Uh, so yeah, you can also find us at Watch Friends Pod on Twitter and Facebook. Please do join and follow us. Please do leave comments and tell us your thoughts on the episodes. What's your favourite episodes? Your characters? Just talk to us basically because we like to have friends. Yeah, we do. Yep. Uh, you can also find us at watchingfriends.com. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts, our website, all sorts of places. So make sure you subscribe. Make sure you give us five stars on those podcast services. That always really helps. All the usual internet-y things. We've actually had quite a few uh, nice reviews already. We've got, I think, we're up to seven on Apple. Nice. Which is really good. I'll go, I'll go look, but I don't want to get an egotistical mind. <laughs> no, no. So, you know, tell us what you think. Uh, give Ryan an egotistical mind. Uh, that'd be great. This is all like, Mark's great, but I wish Ryan would shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like it's more the other way around. Uh, so, yeah, you can check us out next week. We're back every Friday with a new episode. So I'm going to leave it there and see you next time. Toodle pip.